1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jack Ramsey, Dana Morang, Brandon Sprague. It is uh, Tuesday the seventh. God, I gotta be better about knowing my days. What day of the actual <laughs> week it is, and uh, what number day it is. Uh, like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the show. You know what to do. It's very easy. Click subscribe. You can find us wherever you get uh, all of our uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, when I do remember, put them up real quick. Everybody uh, or the people who messaged me about not putting the Jack Ramsey's After Dark up. That's a special thing. I'm not going to post podcasts that I get done doing at 1 o'clock in the morning, number one. Number two, uh, I watched a little bit of that back, and I should not have podcasted. Should not have done it. Uh, I was completely <laughs> gone. I was completely housed. I was not. That was not a good show. Um, yeah. That's that's how those go. So if those make it into the podcast, be thankful. Otherwise, not going to be happening. Other than that, let's get right into it. Brandon Sprague, how you doing, brother?
2: I'm doing good, man. Uh, the Jack Ramsey's After Dark is always a questionable move, I think, at best for you, given – People don't understand this, and I know it's not going to land with everybody, but it's actually draining going to these games as a media member. Yes. It's it's fun. You shake hands. You say hi to people. Uh, Danny's saying hi to any and everybody he can, and then you talk to, you know, Chauncey in the post game. You go to the locker room. You handle that stuff. You talk to some people after the game, like off the record. And before you know it, as you mentioned, it's like almost midnight. You got to drive an hour home. Uh, it's just it's an emotional. Mm-hmm. And I think driving the hour that you have to drive home Nothing. is like the emotional come down. So like you're high of being at the game, it's worn off mm-hmm. by the end of the night, and now you're home and you're like, I could do an after dark or I could go to bed but you're kind of still too wired to go to bed. So you do an after dark.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's too wired to go to bed, but also my brain is mush. Like, yes. I, I, I watched the other one back and I'm like, I have ideas. and They are coming out in like just the worst possible fashion.
2: It's just You've like, to take a notebook, like, I think, and write thoughts through the game that you're like, Oh, this would be kind of an interesting thing to look back on. Yeah, exactly. You got like, one of those. yeah, yes.
1: uh, that's actually a new thing this year. Um, I, I like I, it. I, I had the tweets, but I also have my 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 chart book of, of things that I'm like, I, I remember everything um, through and through. But the um, it's one of those things of, of trying to find like that rhythm of through everything at twelve thirty one o'clock in the yeah.
2: morning. I, I mean, it's a difficult thing to do. I'm glad that you got the book this year. Um, yes. Small steps. I, I, think, uh, I think a thing to programming note should be noted for people. So, when we started this thing a couple years ago, Danny wasn't at the radio station. He didn't have quite the access in terms of credentials and whatnot to go to the games the way he once did at NBC. That has obviously changed. Danny (laughs) hosts a show noon to three. And on Blazer home game nights, he's basically leaving his house and then being in Portland for the next, like, eight to nine hours most of those days, right?
1: Yeah, I get to the studio at about 11, and then I don't leave – really moda until
2: probably 11 11 30 so 12 hour days no. on home game nights the the point is we're going to change this up a little bit uh we'll have the same open same close i'm going to kind of like tee danny up because here's what's we're just being honest i don't go to as many games or almost any games i work at an ungodly hour of the day at 6 a.m i wake up at 4 a.m on days that i'm not working i'm tired and then days i'm working it's even worse mm-hmm. so i'm gonna kind of get us through the show i got things i want to get to today danny i know you're working on a patreon that's coming out really soon on shade and we're going to talk about that yep um we're going to talk about uh, a point that i heard about Tumani. there's an espn list to get through today uh i have a segment called x's and no's mm. like k-n-o-w-s no look at this i want to well, I, I've seen you on Twitter the last couple of days, and I want to kind of tee you up for some stuff. I want to start with this, though. We'll get to the Rob Williams injury itself. I'm curious, just being around that team uh, in the post game, what that was kind of like, and what you make of like Robert Williams' the announcement of surgery and maybe being gone the rest of the year.
1: It sucked, man. Um, when it happened live, I looked over somebody else in press row, and I'm like, oh, that's six eight weeks. You you knew it right away that it was bare minimum. It wasn't going to be a little thing um unfortunately uh in and the um knee injury world i I might as well be a doctor uh when you do this and you point to the knee you know uh that's especially when you're a guy who's had those surgeries those injuries before it's a sound in your head that you know it's a feeling in your body that you know and you know it's not "Mm," that's a little tweak it's I'm cooked it's not, yeah. it's not something's wrong um he was clearly in pain and very unstable uh trying to, leave the field, trying to leave the field trying to leave the court um I ran into him for a split second in the locker room coming out of the training room after the game he wasn't on crutches but he was not moving well um you know and and a, and a lot of I mean everyone was like man like you get the general injury stuff but it was a lot of like I just feel sorry for Rob because he's just like he can't yeah. He can't escape this. Um, I'm really interested to see kind of which way they go with the surgery, either the cleanup versus the full repair, the long term. Yeah. yeah, like he's got money secure. Like it's NBA, it's fully guaranteed money, all that kind of stuff. He's got this year plus two years more on his contract. If you're gonna do like a, if you're gonna do it, I think this year's to do. This year's the year to do it. Yeah, but I would imagine they're trying to talk about. The idea of getting him healthy, if they're going to deal him, right. And I think that's the like the conversation they're probably having: like, Are you going to deal me to a competitor who is like their title-worthy competitor? If that's the case, maybe I do the cleanup because I don't know how many more years I have left. Because you know the doctors and uh, the specialists are telling me, even though I just turned twenty-six, I may only have a couple years left. So I, I think those are again, I'm not saying that at all for those one. I'm, I'm literally just kind of spitballing off off, like why you would have different reasons for going about it. If, if you're going to go down the road of like the long repair, it's to give yourself the chance and the opportunity to continue to play more than a couple more years.
2: Um, I'm curious what you think. I, I know this is one of the mail sack questions. We're going to get to the mail sack questions kind of at the back end of the pod. But I, I know this is one, but it was a, one I wrote down. What, what what do you think it looks like now at the backup five I know him and da sometimes play together too but like yeah. what do you think this looks like now number
1: one i wasn't a real big fan of the two big lineups it just felt wonky um, i w- i wasn't either uh as good as like, da's been really good defensively uh mm-hmm. and so is Rob um it's a bummer that rob got hurt before we got it kind of like First it was, hey, Scoot! Then it was, hey, Shaden! Then it's, oh, this DA still gonna work things. Like, there was something grabbing a hold of all of our attention bit by bit before we could ever, like, really get to Rob. And every time he was on the floor, he was good. Like yeah, he a, was. There's a couple clips that I have that I, I've got um, from Tumani that I put up on, on, on the Patreon uh, of him funneling, Tumani funneling everything to Rob and Rob being there to either deter a shot or block a shot or alter a shot. And it was like yeah this is working really well like again granted they're playing teams that can't shoot to save their lives but when they were getting funneled to the rim there was effective stuff because of what rob was allowing them to do and so that was super interesting um i think they're gonna go jabari small ball in the Mm -hmm. opportunities that they can get away with it yeah um I would imagine since Moses is on the roster and not the not a two way, he would get the first crack at it, but maybe they go with three like I haven't asked yet to see which way they're leaning on that. I think the the first opportunity is probably gonna go to Bari. That's the the way I would probably lean. Uh it's not like he's been playing super, super, super heavy minutes, so uh I don't think you really have to move the rotation. Uh, all that much. Uh, let me pull his minutes up. I think he's playing like 15 a night.
2: Well, I was going to, I was going to add to that, Danny, as you look that up, like I, I 13, I'm i I'm kind of excited. I know this sounds kind of stupid and I'm not expecting the world here, but I, I'm, I am kind of excited about the idea of seeing Bari at the five for their next game. Like just kind of getting an idea of what this looks like. Maybe that's what they do before they ultimately decide mm-hmm. what maybe their longer term goal is if this doesn't work out, but I know just thinking about this since the injury was announced, like seeing it at Sacramento tomorrow is kind of an exciting thing for me as a fan and something to watch for, I guess, throughout the season.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's entirely fair. And uh, I'm trying to think of who, because I haven't, uh, weirdly enough, I, I usually catch the Kings by now. I'm trying to think of who, who they're really leaning on. Is it JaVale? My God, they're leaning on JaVale. Yeah, it's JaVale. Yeah. Yikes. I didn't think they'd do that. Okay. Uh <laughs> <laughs>
2: Season's young, my man. Let's calm down. Yikes dog, he's been he was
1: unplayable in Dallas. Uh um, yeah, he was. Literally I'm so, not
2: playing. Yeah, I, I I okay.
1: Um but again they don't really have any other anybody else with like real size. So I guess I guess they have Len. Yeah, why aren't they playing Len? Whatever. Anyways, uh Mike Brown knows what he's doing. But if JaVale has like found himself a little bit, fine. Um that's a pretty big ask for Jabari, not because Javale is like this great player, but because he's so bleeping big.
2: Well, he's so long. I mean but what, what's his what's his reach? Isn't he like a seven, seven eight?
1: Five, I would say seven four, seven five. Oh no. Yeah. Is he seven foot tall? He's probably seven right. six, seven, seven. Um he's like JaVale is huge huge uh let's see Javale mcgee wingspan seven six yeah so it's him anthony davis andre drummond you're basically looking at some of the as the biggest wingspans in the league Like he's a massive yeah. massive massive dude um and jabari's six seven and a half
2: right so right. he's
1: like four and a half inches shorter and i think barry's i think barry's like a seven foot wingspan guy like I, he's definitely not short-armed um uh, but like that's a that's a difficult that's a pretty, thing yeah, yeah he's six eleven He's a 6'11 wingspan. So, like, cool. Like, that's a, that's a good place to be, but, like, JaVale's huge. The thing is there for Bari, and this will be the same thing for him every night, is he's just going to have to have to beat guys to it and outwork dudes like a son of a bitch. Like, that's that's the reality. Yeah. He's just going to have to outwork dudes a ton.
2: I, uh, I want to get to a list that came out. We need to talk about Tamani a little bit because I think people are really excited to talk about Tamani and the start to his career mm-hmm. in Portland. Uh, We'll get to the X's and O's and the questions. I do want to ask quickly before we get to the list. uh, Look, I particularly am not fond of the idea of the in-season tournament, the Cup. Um, It was a rousing success. Well, what I would say is... (laughs) I'll just be blunt. It was wildly successful on opening night. Well, okay. So, what 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 makes you say that? Because I watched almost, uh, well, not all the game, but like I watched a lot of the games. Checked in on League Pass. The court was like, whoa, on television, mm-hmm. like super bright and distracting. Why do you why do you say it was a rousing success?
1: Uh, ratings for second Fridays in the NBA were the highest they've been in twenty
2: six years. Is that the tournament, or is that just circumstance? Good matchups on TV. I think it's I'm trying the, to think of who those uh, games were. None
1: of like Memphis, Portland. Like, is Memphis, anybody? Portland
2: was on there. Yeah, I yeah. know, but, but okay.
1: is anybody excited about that?
2: Uh, about Memphis and Portland playing? Yeah.
1: Who's excited no. about that?
2: No, that's just us.
1: Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think any of the games on paper were Cleveland, uh, Indiana, New York, Milwaukee, perhaps? Thunder New York, Milwaukee, War- I could see. Thunder Warriors, like, you've got... That
2: was a good game. Sure,
1: you've got League Pass hipsters in the Warriors market. Every Warriors right. game's always going to have that, but Wizards
2: Heat? Right. Um, Dallas Denver, like that's that's a great game. Well, what I what I would say though is to what you're saying, like, is skeptical and like, I, I'm I know ultimately you and I are gonna ulti- we're gonna like a lot of these kinds of ideas. This is a big blanket for the league, right? This is a way to get people who aren't really that interested mm-hmm. at this point of the year to watch. And what I would say, if you're telling me the ratings are up, is as a NBA fan watching that Memphis game, like. Would it have make make or break my attitude if they would have lost their first cup game? No, but I did find myself watching this Friday with my brother-in-law going, come on, man, I want them to win this game. And Shaden gets the block, and, like, you start to kind of feel a little something. Again, there was I don't juice know the in that building, does.
1: and here's, here's why. It's the court. It was very, 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 very smart. You know why? Because every single bleeping player that came out on the court was like, what is this? and all of a sudden you're playing on a different court which gives you mentally a different feel. And I'll tell you this, uh, I, I don't I don't think I I said it anywhere else yet. Um there were so many dead spots on that floor.
2: Really? Oh
1: brother. When they when they, they had so many issues not just here in Portland, uh in Denver, Grant Williams was warming up before the game and he was leaving uh, in shoot around. So it wasn't quite that early or it wasn't like running up to the yeah. game, uh, he was leaving every three short. Every single he's like, "What the hell?" So they got the tape measure out and measured it. Three point line was wrong. Uh, in Indiana, the 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 both teams said the the floor was too slick. Like there was a lot of issues. Like the uh, the the floors are were not made exactly the same as the one at least in Portland that they have originally.
2: Yeah. So, so it's a different material.
1: It's no no no. Like like the way it was cut. Oh, okay. So it's not exactly the same. So it wasn't just like plug-and-play court. Um, I was dribbling with Gomes, Ryan Gomes, the player development coach, before the game uh, in the corner closest to the Blazers bench. And he goes, watch this, doom-doom. Like, okay, you can hear that. It, like, it definitely sounds hollow. And then, doof, and the ball dropped two feet.
2: Oh, no. And I was like. <laughs> the worst. I was like
1: definitely, definitely don't want to get that rhythm dribble on the catch and shoot there because you might put the ball down and not have it come back up. So there's like all these little things, but more than that, the jerseys and the court, like there was pomp and circumstance. Even if it was manufactured, it was real. And that translated, I think, to the game is that it did feel different. It's like the bubble. There's nobody in there. Guess what happened? everybody shot the living hell out of the ball everybody had well, they also s-
2: talked a lot of trash and it got personal like it got heated in was, some of those games it was
1: great because you can hear everything yeah.
2: right but like that like when you make those environmental changes
1: things happen mentally so changing the court changing the jerseys it has a little bit of a, a psychological twist to it and it it is I mean do you think that maybe that carried over? Let's see, nine-point game, two-point game, seven-point game, two-point game, two-point game, five-point game, five-point game. I bet you if you spun a wheel and picked any other night in the NBA, you wouldn't get that close. Now, the average margin of victory in the NBA is five. So you're, yeah. you're going to get that variance. But they right. were all close. Yeah. And I think that the, the big part of that was because of that like kind of like mental shift.
2: I, 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 um, I don't know if I disagree with you, but I'm also kind of curious – what good sell? No, I, I mean I think you're 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 making a lot of really good points. It's discouraging to hear that the league can't get the courts together. I mean this is a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, I mean, no, it, they're 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 going to make sure that gets tightened it, it's up. It's a it's a massive bummer. I also like the next game for Portland, for example, for this is going to be on Tuesday the 14th at Utah. So the group play is going to be kind of you know hit and miss night by night. But what I would say though is to that first that last point you made of, of how close the games are, I, you know, we just kind of name teams though. That are alike, right? Like Memphis and Portland are basically the same team right now. Sure. Uh, but did they didn't know that St- when,
1: when the, when the
2: schedule was going to come out? No, 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 no. They're yeah. Things have changed in that direction, but like Oklahoma city, golden state, they're kind of close right now. Sure. Uh, Milwaukee hasn't taken off quite yet. Mm-hmm. Like I know they're winning, but like they've had their struggles. It's, too. it's been janky. They, yeah, and so like they're better than New York, but it's not like it's this massive massive gap yet. So,
1: especially with Julius uh, Randle playing the way he is.
2: Uh well, I'm curious to see as we follow this thing along, how much more vested we feel emotionally about it and where ultimately we land on the first season uh of the cup. I I want to ask you about the ESPN 25 under 25 thing and I you know, I don't know about you, man. Like I like lists just of the I like to read and it, I'm curious but I don't like to work myself up over lists. This one, however, almost kind of got to me here, Danny. This one is the best 25 players that are under the age of 25. Mm-hmm. And I went through the list and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. L- Not my head a lot. Mm-hmm. Scoot Henderson's on this list. Uh, okay. Scoot Henderson at 23. Keep scrolling. Yeah. No, Anthony Simons, no shade and Sharp. Yeah. Uh- um, Thoughts on that and uh, like
1: Cade, who you? Cade coming? Yeah, Cade Cunningham coming at six, and I think Cade's been fantastic this year. Um, he's doing a lot while playing in a phone booth. Um, there's no spacing on that team. He's got the worst no. shooter in the league on his team, and Killian Hayes out there. Um, they put James Wiseman on a court against the Blazers, and it set the Pistons back twelve years. Anybody who wanted to trade for James Wiseman in the Gary Payton trade, just take yourself out back. What's that? What's that thing that the guy wears in that? Um, uh, the Italian, uh, freaking movie, um, angels and demons with Tom Hanks. He wears the, 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 the thing around his ankles that like tears his skin as like a way to con- a- a- atone for his sins. Oh my
2: God. Oh you yeah. Want people, you want people that wanted to get James Wiseman in a trade to wear something that rips their skin at bare minimum. What is wrong with you? This, you're ruining my X's and No's segment right now already, man. What are we doing here? I'm just saying, like, be smarter about things. He's not good. Uh um, and not
1: make this list. I I, mean? I am a little surprised because you do have Harrow at 22. Um uh, Hent- Scoot at 23. Who and the first line is, let's see, like Bobby Marks is the one who wrote Scoot, and it says, Henderson's ranking is based on the future, not
2: the present. But that's that's a ridiculous... Okay, I like that Bobby Marks did that. It's a ridiculous way to do the rankings, right? Like, if if you're doing this honestly, yeah, you have to have some names for cachet and clicks, but... Sure. Immediately, the
1: next it, one, the next person in front of Scoot is Tyler Harrow, and it says, Harrow has shown flashes of brilliance in his first four seasons, but after being heavily discussed in trade rumors all seasons, he appears to be in the midst of a breakout performance this season. So it's like, it's there's no consistency into what they're trying to do here. Which... No shocking any ESPN list is meant to do what we're doing right now.
2: I know I I, I just you know people were talking about it. No Shay no Ant, and I thought it was ridiculous. Like I, I like Singoon. I think he's a good player. The Houston Rockets have two players on this list. The Houston Rockets. Yeah Jalen Green being above all of these guys. I that's wild to me.
1: I, I would not have Jalen Green on my list. I'll just go there.
2: No I, 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 I wouldn't either. But yeah lists are meant to do this to drive conversation and sure. get people upset. Let me ask you quickly: If they redo this at the end of the year, is Shaden or Ant or both on this list? Yes,
1: one would be on this list. One
2: would be on this list for sure. And your pick on that would be?
1: I I'd probably say Ant, just because of where he's at right now. Like I, I, Tyrese Maxey is averaging twenty six and basically six and a half. I. I came into the season expecting Ant to be like between 25 and 27 and seven. So yeah. Yeah. I, I would expect Ant to be right around that.
2: Yeah. um, I wanted to get to this real quick. Tamani has been a big topic in my group chats. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are excited. Like there's not a lot you can sell to some of the fans on this team because of the situation. But one of them that you can is, is Tamani Kamara's emergence, I think, is the second round guy that you got in a trade and. The Blazers liked him in the pre-workout, and here he is. He's getting heavy minutes. And, you know, you mentioned this before the season, and I wanted to bring it back. There are things to look for in these seasons that are not wins and losses. Mm -hmm. And the one thing you like to say is you love the process, the development part of this, right? You like to go through these videos. You got this Shaden Patreon up that I I think people are going to really enjoy about his offensive distribution. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tee up for that in a minute. But I wanted to bring up Tamani because I find him a very interesting topic. There's a lot of people. I mean, it's Portland, but there's a lot of people that are like, yo, they they really found maybe they're starting three here. I don't know about that long-term, Danny. Mm -hmm. But you go to the practices and games. You talk to a lot of people on and off the record. This has got to be... I would imagine a team in their situation, this is almost like a godsend, right? A second round yeah. player hitting and hitting this quickly. Yeah. And it's it's hitting in a in a place
1: they need it, which is competitiveness, toughness, and defense. Uh two's offense is still lingering. Okay, like, that's that'll sure. be like that'll be his make or break. But right now, I mean in a row, Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, um Desmond Bain four games in a row that's that's what chauncey billups charged him with game one against memphis comes out in the half starts two in the second half not as like tease isn't being isn't good enough but two gives you a different look and Bain's going off yeah that's the trust that chauncey already has into like that's for a coach to believe in a rookie that much brother for Chauncey to believe that much in a rookie to be like, right. no, I'm going to give you some real responsibility, brother. Hang on. Um, is nuts. Uh, they, even on offense, they trust him to just like make the right reads. Um, if he can become a three point shooter, like 36, 37%, like they've, they found a real three and D guy. Um, but defensively, man, uh, I've, I've got my, my Patreon series, the like one thing that I'm watching nightly. I think it was the third one, second or third one that I did. And it was about defensive activity, and I highlighted DeAndre Ayton getting steals and blocks at a rate that he has not gotten them at yet uh, in his career, and Tumani taking on those like apex wing young players, like Bain, Cade, Scotty are they're all big, strong, long.
2: Go go. Well, I was going to add like the Cade one specifically, and look, Bain is strong; he's the muscle hamster. Good but God, I, it's got to be impressive to see. But I, I actually was most excited for the Cade game and I felt like especially in the second half when they went cold like he couldn't buy a bucket
1: oh he, he made Cade work his ass off it, was, Dude, it money, was it was impressive
2: he put him in hell I yeah. thought he put him in hell in the second half of that oh, game like no. I am I'm legitimately I, I I was kind of excited they got him I'd watched some of his college tape and I'm like okay there could be something here sure I'm blown away how quickly he has become a staple in the rotation and when you look at like I think Heiken had it and he may have deleted it, but our homie Heiken had like net rating lineups for the Blazers and mm. how many different versions they've had. Tamani's in most of them on the positive net ratings, So it's like he's making an absolute difference when he's playing. And it's just no, who could have seen this? Even the organization themselves, I'm not sure, would say we expected Tamani Kamara to do this this quickly.
1: No, I I don't think so either. And actually, I can pull this up while we're talking, too. Let me pull up to Bonnie, filter lines. Well, the other
2: thing I I would add to this is you look that up, too, is, like, this is the roster building thing that's interesting to me is, Joe, like, you're talking about how you have to structure your future here. But now it's like, hey, this guy comes in in this trade, and it's early. I get it. But, Mm -hmm. man, he's really showing some really positive flashes for somebody like Joe Cronin, I'd imagine you kind of sit back and you kind of have to go, okay, wait, now, how does this change? It's it's an ever-evolving equation, I feel like, for somebody like Joe and the organization when you're roster building with youth and something like this happens and it happens in a positive way.
1: Oh, for sure. Like the, You need these kind of wins along the way. And according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, the Tumani lineups, which is 325 possessions, the Blazers are a plus 4.6 in net rating. Um, that puts them in the 68th percentile defensively they're in the 92nd percentile wow uh 103.1 offensively they're in the 25th percentile (laughs) effective field goal percentage they're in the second percentile we won't talk about how bad the we don't need precursors Uh, yeah the offense is (laughs) atrocious uh but their offensive rebounding is insane uh their free throw rate is insane um, they're defending without fouling like they're in the 93rd percentile in effective field goal percentage defensively like they're with Tumani on the floor they are very good if I take if I take Tumani and put Tumani off the floor let's see where we are uh filter lineups so we go from plus 4.6 holy crap
2: what are they with Tumani off minus 17.8. The, a 17,
1: the, the non-Tumani lineups. Wow. Are a 4th percent percentile differential. The Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Matisse, uh, JGDA lineup has 111 possessions. It is in the third percentile in difference, a hmm. minus 26 and a half. The offense is a 91.9 point per possession per hundred possessions, which is the Mm -hmm. sixth percentile. Uh, They are in the 29th percentile defensively at Mm -hmm. 118.4. Like I can, I can tell you right now, if I, if I take um, one other guy off the floor right now. Yeah. Let's go scoot Henderson filter lineups. Yeah. Negative 5.3. So they mean it's not hard to find.
2: Yeah. Where that, where, yeah. Where, where that problem lies right now. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't but, need to do that, but I'm glad but we it did. Also,
1: but it also shows you the difference between a 19-year-old and 23-year-old. Like, yes, that is that that is the difference. Like, yeah. and it's not the same for everyone because Chris Murray's 23 years old. It's like there's different levels of, like, development that come along with this. But Tamani is a dude who you know what you're going to get. And um, the thing that I love about him and I've asked other players about this that like people in the organization too is such a nice guy. He's so sweet. He's so kind. And I've talked to a few people at Dayton who were like, no, he wasn't, he wasn't an instigator. That man is a shit talking banshee on the floor in the NBA.
2: Yes, he was. (laughs) And it has
1: been phenomenal. Uh, uh, OG Ananobi got tired of him and shoved him. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, Beef Stew in Detroit got tired of his shit and threw him. Uh, Marcus Smart got tired of him. Yeah. Santi Aldama, smart, smart, like warned him. Oh yeah. And which is funny because I, I tweeted about it. Like one of the all time instigators being mad about somebody else instigating. It's just like, come on brother. Right. Uh, Santi Aldama hooked him and Tumani wasn't having any of it. He just threw it, took off. Aldama sprints. He is 100% going to push Tumani in the back. He is going to sprint and give him the two-handed like Ed Molloy stops the whistle and like uh, Aldama looks like what? Like he wasn't going to do anything. He's like, right. "Nope. You're getting hit with this immediately." And that's what it, you know sprung the 10-minute review. But I asked Tumani about it in the locker room after the game I'm like, "Are you you know, you're, you're getting under people's skin?" He's like, "I, you know, I'm it's not who I am, but you know, if you if you say a few things, I'm not going to back down. And he does not back down. And I, it's real because on the defensive end, he's going to make you work. He's going to take those 45. He's going to cut you off. He's going to body you up. He's going to play defense with his feet. He, If he gets a chance to take a step and jump up and send your shit back, he's going to do it. If he's going to get a yeah. deflection and get it out, get, like, he is going to work and work and work. I have yet to see. Look, he makes mistakes but it's the old adage of like, he's making a mistake at a hundred percent. Like it's a full sellout. Right. You know, but you understand why you understand why that goes that way.
2: You know, and and I think that that's kind of what brings me to this is I wanted to do a segment about X's and No's. X's and O's is basically it's a play on that because you, so I want to be honest about this for the audience. Like sometimes I see you respond to people, and I, I, I honestly, I read it just like this, Danny. I read it like this. I go, or I'll read it and go, and I'm just like, so cold. Like you're, t- some of these people watch our stuff. They consume the content, and look, I also know that they know that they can rib you a little bit and get you fired up. And some <laughs> of these people go home, they buy a bottle of lotion and they think about how you responded in a mean way and it kind of like makes them happy and turned on. And look, that's there's no kink shaming on this podcast. Hey, look man, however but, you want to get about it. You know just uh, make
1: sure you send a tip to The Only Dance. But
2: <laughs> The Only Dance. The uh the thing I wanted to highlight was I think you got access to stuff that people don't and sure. and I I'm not talking about the people who like attack you, but sometimes I see people say things and I'm not reading them, I think, in the same voice as you. And so we talked about this before the podcast starts where you read a tweet, and I won't say a name or a tweet, but like as an example, when you read it in your head out loud, you mm-hmm. kind of went, yeah, well, how come Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant ain't that good? And and you kind of create this negative. Oh,
1: 100%. And you, the, the reason and is because, this, and this is why, 100%. Yeah. If it's the first time I've interacted with you, if it's the 37th time I've interacted with you and you're still saying the same stupid shit, that's when it's like, okay, dude, like that. We we've had the, the, the back and forth of a thousand times of like, I've tried to help you see the light on this. You're just not willing to accept the reality. And at that point in time, the the tone changes a hundred percent. I'm just tired of it. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, you should be more patient. Why? Why? Why should I be patient with stupidity on the 37th time? I'm just not going to be.
2: Well, I would, what it's, I would say, though, not. <laughs> Danny, if it gets to the 37th time, I don't think I'm responding to the person anymore. I get people that's like three times, and I'm like, I'm out. I'm not responding to this stupidity anymore. That I, I mean? could, that I could probably be better about, 100%. Well, 100%. That, okay. But But what I wanted to do here was for the people who have questions, okay, You have access to numbers, numbers and and knowing some of the things, knowing what you know is great. Knowing it and backing up with numbers, I think, is a different thing. And a lot of us don't have some of the numbers. So, like, let me give you a quick example, okay? And then I want to ask you what you think of the Shaden-led offense because it's clearly been noticeable, I think, the last two games. the Beginning of the year, the Clipper game. I kind of went against Chauncey. Like I just thought they were lethargic. I they looked unorganized. They just mm. didn't look ready to play a basketball game. I don't and think I they were. That that can no, okay, and that's fine. I'm not expecting the world here. But you posted something after that game that basically showed the offensive structures and what they run that's good or what would be run as poor mm-hmm. and classifications based on their outcomes. And that was eye opening for me because I don't, I can't find that information. Yeah, and it shows ISO good, you know all these. Literally everything else was very Four, poor. Right, right. So, I want us in this kind of segment on the podcast because you have access to numbers because you know the game. I want to explain things to people a little bit here. And if they tweet you thirty seven times, please just mute them. It's not, you know, I mean, you want to dunk, okay, but. Shaden led the offense in a, in a, a few a few times in these last two games. When it first started, I was kinda like, I kind of like this. I want to see what Shaden's gonna do and how this works and like how he operates in that role while still doing what his kind of like set role is for the team. Sure. What are the numbers? I know you got a Patreon on this, so we don't want to give this all away, but what are the numbers saying about the offense and the early evolution? No scoot. Shaden kind of running. Like, what's your observations of the Blazer offense right now? Okay.
1: So for, for what those are, Brandon knows the the nuts and bolts of the patron that's coming out. Like, I, I, I've i got the the ones that I give out for free. This is the one that's not for free because they're quite a lot of it's dozens of hours of works yeah. into this stuff. Um, but the Shaden Sharp DeAndre Ayton pick and roll has uh, a top 40 um, total number of actions run in the NBA between pairings right so you're starting to get an understanding like donna mitchell and evan mobley and shayden sharp and deandre ayton have run the same amount of actions so like you kind of have an understanding of where it's at obviously they have a better understanding from a previous uh, uh relationship but it just kind of gives you a bar to go against um similarly eric gordon and yusuf nurkic yeah. have So again, brand new teammates, players that aren't typically charged with running an offense, but you have a veteran Gordon who could probably compensate a little bit. Okay. With all of that said, the points per chance for the Shaden Sharp, DeAndre, Ayton pick and roll is in the 26th percentile. Okay. Mm. It's not good. And Mm. a lot of it has to do with Shaden is feeling out who he is in a, as a pick and roll ball handler, what he can do off the bounce. And I'm not just talking about his ability to pull up and shoot. It's his decision-making when Anthony Simons got the reins the year before last, when Dane uh, groin went and CJ's lung collapsed, which unfortunately happened to him again. Shout out CJ get better soon, dude. Yeah. I hope he's all uh, right. Yeah. Um, but Ant had already had a, decent diet of pick and roll and you saw him explode as a scorer with wild efficiency because not only could he explore the 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 pick and roll like the initial action but it was what he would do after the initial action he his men is you know they, they switch okay back it out attack the switch because i know i can get my shot against the switch or i get there and beat him the i've got two reads one to the the uh Short side, you know, uh, dunker spot, handoff, dunk, one to the same side corner for three. Like, Mm -hmm. is this the decision tree was linear but broader? Shane, Shane, (sighs) uh, Shay's is just straight up and down. If X, then Y. If Y, then Z. So when Shay turns the corner, if he beats his man, his, his, the first thing he is likely to do, and I don't want to say it as it's settling, but it's like, it's, he beats his man. He makes the read, which means he's gonna get to his spot. Okay, which getting to his spot is getting to either to that elbow pull up or that three point pull up where
2: he's got space. Um, that that's can I inter- can I interject yeah. on that though? How I, I I would wonder a couple things here. One with the numbers on Da with the screens. It's interesting they're doing this with him. He's what? He's twenty years old, right? Shea, yeah, yeah, okay. Showtime Shay. Um he's twenty year, He's twenty years old. Danny, he didn't play college basketball, mm-hmm. so he's basically an, a high school kid coming out of Kentucky. Yep. I can't fathom how many times that guy has ever in his life needed a screen in any just situation. Just get to his spots, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the like most... the high school
1: kid. kids, he's he's going to destroy right.
2: them. It's in, it's insane. And so like, I think that kind of lends itself to this part. Mm-hmm. You say uh, settling. Well, you don't like to use that term, but I mean, it's kind of considered settling, the mid-range, instead of maybe attacking. Sure. But also...
1: Being able to be a guy who can hit that mid-range shots can can break defenses. That's the ability right. to hit that pull-up is the an indicator of being an elite scorer. When they're running you off the three-point line and they're walling you off at the rim, can you pull that defense up to either make the pass behind it, or can you hit that shot to where they have to c- come up, and then yeah. it opens up other passing lanes for you, and then you make the decision tree from there to kind of either get it to the corner dunker spot or recycle, turn it around and get it going to the other
2: side. Well, yeah, and I, I wonder with that, too, like, it's just a comfort thing, right? He hasn't run a whole lot of points, so I wonder how yeah. comfortable it is for him to just come off the screen and actually, well, I'm a shooter. Like, I got an open look. Yeah, up. it's exactly, you know? it.
1: and, and he's not making a ton of advanced reads, and this isn't, this isn't a shot at Shea. This is why I tell people he doesn't need to have every single pick and roll run for him because he can't handle it. And saying he can't handle it is not some sort of negative connotation. It just means his game hasn't advanced there yet. If you watch Malcolm Brogdon play basketball, when he reads a pick and roll, do you ever see him hesitate on a read?
2: No. He
1: just knows what Because he knows who he
2: is, and he knows the situation. And he knows the
1: defense. (laughs) Exactly. Shea, like, this is going to sound so, like, ethereal and bullshittery, but, like, he has to explore who he is. And so... The Blazers can't sit there and go, okay, Shea, you're going to run every pick and roll this game, and the other guys that are adults that are professional basketball players are going to sit here and watch you grow. Mm
0: -hmm. That is
1: not the team dynamic that the NBA exists in. This is not NBA 2K. You don't just get to spam the same things over and over and over again. Okay, But what you can do is give him opportunities. Against the Memphis Grizzlies in the fourth quarter, in the second game when they were trying to find offense. I I put these up on Twitter. There was five different opportunities for Shade Sharp in the pick and roll to take advantage. He passed up on three of them. One of them he turned the ball over, and the other one he missed the shot. Mm-hmm. But they gave him five opportunities. I want to say it's five out of eight possessions where Chauncey very clearly put the ball in his hands to make decisions. The decision he made was that this isn't my shot. Mm -hmm. And he passed it over to Brogdon, or he passed it over to Jeremy, or he passed it over to Kamara. Those are the things.
2: But they're largely the same passes as what you're saying too, right? It's not a lot of creation. No, it's a
1: lot of horizontal action. It's not a lot of penetrating passes. There's not a lot of things like, oh, that's going to lead to a shot. It's just a simple pass. And that's the thing. It's, 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 it's horizontal and internet. Not all horizontal passes are, are created the same. If you draw the defense with a quick drive or a jab step and somebody cheats over and you throw a quick pass. I mean, that's what happened with the Malcolm Brogdon, uh, offensive foul on Marcus Smart. Remember the one where like Shea comes off out of the corner, out of a DHO action and looks to push. He sees Marcus Smart cheat. Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson, Jr., defensive player of the year, like... Right, Desmond Bain, really good defender. Like they yeah. have a lot of really good Bismack Biombo really good defender. Yeah. Like they have four plus and two elite defenders on the on the floor. Okay, so you get Shea, who reads Marcus Smart is coming over. In his head, he's making the right read, and he probably is. He kicks the ball to Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon sees the defense in rotation. He attacks. Smart gets there, cuts him off, offensive foul. That is not Malcolm Brogdon isolating. That is attacking a defense chasing or in rotation and Marcus Smart making a play. Sometimes you have to go tip your cap. The defense made a play. Mm -hmm. But Shaden Sharp didn't look to press. And there's multiple times throughout that game and throughout the, the, the two games against Memphis where he got switches where if that's Ant, where if that's Dame, where if that's Brogdon, where if that's CJ, it is barbecue chicken. Yeah, barbecue. Like you, you can't stay with me. I'm gonna hezzy hezy, tween tween, or I'm gonna screen and rescreen. I'm gonna get to my spot, and there is not a single thing you can do about it. it no. It,
2: oh, go ahead. No, I was go say the Sorry.
1: interesting thing is there was a difference of that throughout the games as they progressed. Because in Toronto, when they when they started kind of ramping up his pick and roll volume with Da, almost every single one of his pick picks with Da resulted in a shot. So, like, it was very much of, I think, if I had to guess, and I, I want to kind of confirm this with Shea and Chauncey, but just from watching the film, it was see if you can get to your spots. Take the screen, see if you can get to your spots to get a shot. Like, mm-hmm. make it very simple for you about, like, the process. Again,
0: right. that's
1: what this is. You don't need Shane Sharp making the fifth advanced read on a pick and roll. You want him to master the first read, then the second read. Then the third read, and that's the progression tree this goes through, and that's why this stuff isn't linear. Because you'll make mistakes in the first read, you'll mer- make mistakes in the second read, but you don't, you don't get to run eighty pick and rolls a night by yourself to learn it.
2: I think my final point on this, because it's it's kind of good to dive into this. My final point is, I can't help from. My vantage point to look at the situation and say how beneficial these learning experiences can be for him and then also like i don't know what the future is with with the ant scoot stuff and all that whatever but neither one of them are being available right now because of the injury you know how, how i would imagine that organization the coaching staff kind of excited about this if shaden can turn some of this around if some of these he creates a little more he becomes a little more assertive, like being out there knowing one of your guards or both your guards and your other, you know, your scoring options, one primarily an ant, like how much of like picking up the load while the other's not on the court down the road that can be.
1: And that's the thing about this is like watching the early, the second quarter, really when ant is cooking for the clip against the Clippers, the space, the Blazers have to work with in that quarter has not existed in any other game. In any other game. And that is an elite defense. The guys, that, well, they've got Harden out there, so that defense is going to get a little... Bit but for the most part, but we yes, get what you... Know. Yeah, that, like, you can see it. You you just throw it on. I saw somebody in the chat saying uh, Shaden Sharp needs to have more off-ball screens run for him. He's 20th in the league in off-ball screens. Total off-ball screens. Really? Yes. So uh, he's sandwiched in between... Uh, Paul George and Karis LeVert with Zach Levine and Kawhi Leonard and Michael Porter Jr. all right there. So he's getting, and this is the whole idea, Shea is getting so many opportunities. Opportunities do not equal box score translation, i.e. field goal attempts, assists, and or turnovers. Opportunities mean chances to make something happen. And it's not a negative or a positive if he doesn't, but it's like when I go back and watch the film, I go, "They're giving him real looks." Do but,
2: you? Well, can, can I? Can yeah. I ask you real quick then? Do you feel like I know he's scoring and people are really high on him? I don't want this to sound like we're we're bashing Shea at all. I'm I'm a huge baby Kobe fan, right? But mm-hmm. I feel like even as good as he's played. There are still moments I'm watching going I feel like he could be a little more aggressive like be oh, like he could he's, get a couple more shots He's only really up. been
1: truly aggressive in two games, the Toronto game and the first yeah. Panthers game. Those are the right. like and and that's what the, that's what the notes say. Like I, I just have a, a crap ton of notes of like when he's been aggressive and you it comes in bunches. Like I I'll just say this, there's a group against Toronto where he gets uh th- these are all of his pick and rolls in order. His first pick and roll it turns into a shot. It's free throws. Uh, mm-hmm. His next pick and roll is a driving shot It's a uh, that leads into a pull-up. Uh, his third pick and roll is a shot where he's fouled. His fourth is a uh, driving shot pull-up. His fifth is a driving shot. His, very la- his last pick and roll in that sequence is a pocket pass to DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. So it's shot, 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 pass. Like he finds his aggressiveness and then when he realizes probably two or three shots later, the defense is starting to overplay him and that the gap has opened up to where it's very clear what the play needs to be, which is pass, he makes it. And I think that's the part of the same thing that happened uh, in another series where it goes, pull up, pull up, drive, pull up, pull up, drive. All in a row. Like he gets, it's a very, very singular focus of, oh, I know I can get to this spot on this guy. And that's the trial and error in building stuff up. Now, is it always the right play? No. Is it worth it to maybe extend things a little bit further to do some more? Probably. Also, there's times when against Memphis and against uh, Orlando. Orlando? (laughs) Shout out Orlando Sanchez. I was going to say Uh, shout out
2: Sanchez there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Orlando played under a couple pick and rolls of his. But brought help, whether it was Wendell or Paolo or Jalen Suggs digging. Like when you get in Shaden's periphery, he he seems to want to back it out and reset. It's yeah. it's very much like his operating space has blinders, and so that aggressiveness has limits. So if you if you cloud his vision, it it deters him. But if you're like uh, against um, Detroit, where he I thought he looked really good. Mm-hmm. It was because there was space. It's a bad defensive team. There was space to operate. It wasn't clustered. It wasn't cluttered. His vision wasn't obstructed. And because of that, he was super aggressive in getting into the paint.
2: Yeah. Okay. That No, That I think that's good. I think that's a good start for a segment I like to call X's and No's. Where 20 minutes Danny, long. Well, no, but I, I kind of wanted to go extended on that segment. I, I think it's important, as annoying as some people can be on social media, there is a part of me as your co-host of this podcast. When I see you respond and I go, we could just explain this. And then like, if they still come at you, then like, let them be stupid. But I, I really wanted to dive in specifically about Shaden because obviously he's been a huge topic of conversation for people. And obviously the offense, uh, he's, he, he looks good to people. Like even in his Memphis game where he blocked the shot, he wasn't shooting particularly well. I know he was sick that night, but it just looks like it's coming together for him. And in year two, I didn't really know what expectations with numbers. I just wanted to kind of see it. And I feel like I'm seeing it even though yeah. it's only a couple of games into the and season. And
1: that's, that's the thing is like numbers can tell you some things. The film will give you the thing to marry it to, especially when you start. Take everything. You strip everything else away, and you're watching for something specifically. Okay, what is happening here? What is the the yeah. process? What is the decision tree? What does that look like? And I think when you start watching the game that way, you start to be able to pull those things back. And it's like, I think the Blazers are giving Shaden a lot of opportunities right now.
2: For sure, they are. Yeah,
1: I think. Brogdon and Grant are getting more of them because they have a decade of experience behind them in being successful. Does that mean Jeremy Grant is the best guy to, to have initiate and finish all of your plays? No. But what it is, is like he's seen more and yeah. had it absorbed it over years. And so in those instances, even if Malcolm's taking shots you don't like, you're getting possessions that generate at least a decent look. More often than not. Yeah. Whereas if you go to the younger guys, you may end up with a live turnover. For or, sure. Or a you know, a grenade pass that leads to a shot clock violation. Like those things are more likely to occur. And so you structure the development of Scoot and Shea within the brackets of guys that are more consistent.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it gives Shea an opportunity now with no Scoot, no ant, you got Brogdon, Jeremy, DA out there. It also allows him to understand like he kind of gets in this window. He gets to play a lot of roles and they get yes. to kind of see how he is in all of these different facets of the team. I I, I think this is the part of the team building um, that I'm really watching and I have kind of watched. And so I'm kind of glad we could break that down and you could give people the X's and no's. I, I, let's get to the mailbag because we got a ton of questions. We got caught up in a Miami Indeed. heat battle on Twitter. And I just, my, my here's my only thing Miami fans if they want to be ridiculous and hold on to this Portland thing, like, Oh, the best part about it is these guys don't follow me. So they're like, they're stalking.
1: Yeah. My feed It's like, yeah. Oh my God. You miserable humans.
2: Can we just ignore them? I I just, nobody wins
1: with this. You're not Portland fan reaction. I told you what my, my new thing is, right?
2: You just block them.
1: No, I, I, I just, I'll throw a quick quote tweet. I'll just retweet it. There you go. I've had it. I just do one little thing. Bloop. And then it's like chumming in the water. It's fun. I
2: uh, like it. So let's get to a couple questions here. I'm going to try to peruse through these as best I can. I, I'll start with the first one. At give 77 uh, would you rather move off of Brogdon for the right price or keep him around for a veteran presence that could also help in the development of the young guards? I will answer this quickly, Danny. I've – I've been a big fan of Brogdon I've liked him he's taller Andre Miller and that makes me happy inside and so I hope that they keep him as long as they possibly can but I also understand the league and man he's I th- I think he's had a good season so far who Brogdon
1: who I just wanted to hear it one more time. That's all. Because I, everybody wanted to sit here and belabor the uh, Brogdon can't play or shouldn't play. And he's taking the Like, shit, is my away. microphone no, dead? No, like? I'm sorry. I'm just screwing with you. No. Um, Brog is like, with the exception of last game where he just shot poorly, he was just sixth man of the year a year ago.
2: I know. I he's
1: know. He's really good. He's a steadying presence. Everybody, like, people in the comments now, he needs to go. You got to trade him. Shut up. Shut
2: up. Are there people really in the comments yes, section right, right now. now? Yes, shut up. Why? I, I think it, he's been good. It, that's not
1: even he thinks he's been good. You cannot play Scoot Henderson shade and Shaden Sharp 48 bleeping minutes. Stop.
2: We just Stop. went over this. We
1: literally just started went over this. And that's like, <laughs> get it through your heads. You need a... I have talked to guys on those process 76ers teams. It was miserable. Guy, If you're playing too well, yoink
2: yeah, they benched him. They won 9 games. Like, 9 they games. They
1: don't want to be, like the Blazers actively do not want to be a part of that culture. They want That's to have DA, culture. they want to have Rob, they want to have Brog, they want to have Jeremy. Like they want like they're going to be bad naturally because they have a 19-year-old point guard. Like Scoot's going to be better. He's going to be very bad. We tried to talk about that this year. Mm -hmm. and everyone's, no, he's going to average 18 and nine. Sure, you're right. Scoot Henderson, 19-year-old point guard, is going to be the best rookie 19-year-old point guard in the history of the NBA. That's (laughs) that's what we're going to see. He averaged 17 and six and shot poorly in the bleeping G League. But you're right. High efficiency turnout is definitely in his future in his rookie year in Portland while they're integrating nine other players. I could definitely see that happening. No, for the love of God. I think Scoot is going to be very good. But he's he needs guy a guy like Brogdon to teach him the ways, the, the, the point guard Yoda. Like you need that understanding. Like people go like, well, Dame didn't need it. No, you're right. The guy that ran thirty thousand pick and rolls in college and was the number one scorer in the country and was the best pick and roll guard we had seen in the draft since Chris Paul. No. Also no, twenty two
2: years old when he came <laughs>
1: 23. in.
2: Twenty three. Twenty three, I mean, yeah. It's kind of a big deal.
1: Yes, it's a massive deal. So it's like, shh, they need those guys. They need them. It's this it, one. It just is what it is.
2: This one from Brian Likedee. I hope I said your last name right there. I'm sorry if I didn't. I'm not the greatest with names, but I try. Uh, I know it's early in the season. Were you surprised at all? This team has won a few games, three games in a row. It was a nice little win streak they had. Yes, they had one of the more horrific ends to a game I've seen in Blazer history with a 26-2 run to close out a basketball game, but they damn near won that game. They won three in a row. What was your surprised meter at? Mine was a solid 7-5. Didn't see it coming.
1: Um, Surprised on the win-loss, but the production, efficiency, things like, if you take the other teams out of it, not surprised.
2: Not surprised. I thought they could beat Detroit, and I felt stupid in that moment at the halftime going, cool, we're not. And then they came back and won. And
1: <laughs> Well, okay, I want to share a few things with you from cleaning the glass, okay? yeah, Portland, Portland is 26th in the NBA in point differential at 7 a game. According to... Um, the the stats that are kind of all grouped together, their expected win loss. Um, this is based on their, their 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 again, how many games in an a two game season will we normally expect a team with this efficiency differential to win? Okay, they're expected to win twenty three point five games according to what they have seen so far. What you ha- under. what yes, what you have is very 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 serious anomalies. Okay, I want to pull up a couple things here real quick. Okay. Um, and spot up there in the 7th percentile, which is 28th. Uh, and pick-and-roll ball handler they're in a 10th percentile, which is 26th. In transition they're in the 7th percentile, that is 28th. So they're horrible offensively in basically every form except for isolation, and that's because of Brog and Jeremy. Um, beyond that, if you go and look at um, the box scores, I need to pull this back up because apparently I closed that tab. Let's go box scores, port land oh not Portland um although it might have been Portland back in the 1800s um no nothing okay sounds about white hey hey somebody's picking up it up and down uh let's go schedule and results okay let's go to the box score of their first win against the Toronto Raptors I want to ask you has there ever been a time where you thought hmm this team can win? If they went and shot four of 29 from three.
2: Uh, I would counter and say no, because I didn't think a team would win shooting. What with the Blazers that game seven for. Uh,
1: they weren't much better, right? No, they were. No, they were 11, 11 of 35. Oh,
2: okay. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game where no, they no, I was just to
1: say it goes under there, but,
2: but yeah, they
1: they managed to suck significantly less than the Raptors who yes. Like I mean, the, the 2018 Houston Rockets are like, Wow. Wow. Like, that was really bad. Like,
2: you missed a yeah. lot of threes. Okay. And then they couldn't miss when they play. I think they had like a really hot night against they Milwaukee. Blew the very next the game
1: doors off Milwaukee.
2: They shot. <laughs> I want to say 44%
1: from three. Yeah, as a team. That's what it was. And it was yeah. on like 40 something attempts. It was like,
2: there's the correction. Okay. I know I was watching it going, damn Portland avoided everything. Huh? Just give it to Dame in Milwaukee, I guess. Okay. Then you shoot seven of 20
1: in the year 2023 of our Lord from three, but you get 33 free throws to your opponent's yeah. 11. Yeah. Okay.
2: That's, that's a, not normal. That's a
1: little weird. Okay. That's,
2: that's no now,
1: now let's go to Memphis. Your opponent takes 13 free throws, but shoots 10 of 35. That's 29% from the free throw line. You shoot nine of 32, 41, under 41% of the field, but you take 36 free throws to 13. Mm. Those things should not, will not happen frequently. Counting on them, using a win as some sort of success indicator as proof of concept. Hmm. I wonder if this is a play-in team. Put money on it. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. Yeah. My point is, is that, you can enjoy the wins all you want. Do not extrapolate wins further from them because they are very, 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 very bad indicators.
2: Mm. This, um, is, this is
1: a team that again, according to cleaning the glass, they should have won two games right now. Yeah. And that has less to do with them and more to do with how bad their opponents played. Right. One was Toronto. The other one was Memphis.
2: This one from Cookie and a bunch of numbers, so I'm not going to read it, but Cookie on Twitter says, uh, Bench Scoot for Shea when Ant is back.
1: There's still, the meeting- there's still a month away from that. Yeah. I think it is a very, very, very real possibility. Yes. And I, love I it. think it would be very helpful to both to have – I Look, Scoot Shay when they were on the floor together when Ant first went down was very bad like it horrendously bad on base again small sample size theater all that but it was bad. The second they threw Brogdon on the floor with Shea,
2: Yeah.
1: It's it's not only is like scoot bad Gordon or uh, Brogdon good, it's a stabilizing force. That's more than Brogdon just being better. It just made things for a, a lot simpler uh for the Blazers.
2: Uh, final question here. It's a couple of them here that get kind of lumped into kind of the same category about, uh, Deandre. So to kind of lump in together instead of parsing these out, um, do you think they're going to look to get him more looks or do you think that they're happy with kind of the way the naturally the offense has kind of worked with him, uh, in this system? Like, what do you you think they're going to aim to get him more looks or, would you kind of expect a largely what we've seen so far?
1: that They're still trying to figure it out. So the, the bones of the offense, we talked about this so much coming into the season, was going to be and D.A. And you could see the spacing and uh, D.A. working in the pocket with Anthony Simons and uh, having more space to work with. Um, those opportunities aren't there with this group. So you see it a little bit with Brog. Um, but Brog's also sh- having to shoulder the, I need to get 18 shots a night up burden. So mm-hmm. trying to integrate those things there is a little, proven a little bit difficult. Also, Shea and Aiden are still working on their relationship. I would imagine, and I've, I've asked Jauncey about this, um, I, as I want to talk to DA kind of about how things have gone, but unfortunately it's only, what, two home games and they're out on the road again. Yeah. Um, But it's something I definitely want to ask about in the sense of, like, what spots do you feel most comfortable in? obviously operating in the pick and roll and in that pocket. Like, do you want to have like more opportunities with creation? Uh, Do you like working in DHO stationary or or do you like working in handoff stationary or do you like working in dribble handoffs? Like, do you like having the actions kind of go against each other? So dribbling towards the sideline, having the guard come up, like where Mm -hmm. do you feel like you have more effective places to operate? Um, Do you like having your back to the basket? Do you like having face up? Do you like to be at the elbow? Like looking at like, off the top of my head, my first reaction to looking at like the diet of of play types the Blazers have run is I feel like they're maybe trying to go to the pick-and-roll because it's a simple staple, but also I kind of want to see them do more DHOs with DeAndre. The problem is, is the DHOs the Blazers have run so far have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> so m- there might be some hesitancy to get into that because oh, there's a lot of timing and spacing and... How things how things work through that. So um, I'm not entirely certain, but that's that's one of the things like I, I wanna see how how that part of it shakes out and what because look, you can be a critic of Chauncey and I I don't think Chauncey has been, you know, Greg Popovich by any means. Sure. I think their staff has been coaching their ass off with all I, of the changes and all of yeah. the opportunities. Like they are trying stuff on both sides of the floor. So, so, like, he's starting a rookie in the second half against Desmond Bay. Like, they are, like, pulling levers, twisting knobs left, right, and center.
2: Yeah, I, I would add to that, too. Like, went after him after the Clipper game, just really didn't like it. And I would say the last, like, four or five games, I've just been sitting there like, okay. Like, I just, I I, I don't know what it is. But like I can see that he's trying to make what it is. Yes. If that makes any like, sense. Like right? he's
1: trying to make a, 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 a soup, but like the ingredients aren't quite right. He's like, Ah I've gotta yeah, like I'm if if I,
2: mushrooms in this. Well like tonight. well if I
1: it's like well if I roast these, these won't suck quite as much. Like we can, we can choke this down. Like, that's the kind of situation like they're in right now. It's like when you're trying to operate within the budget, you know, again, let's, let's, let's go something everybody can relate to right now because grocery prices suck. I know because I just had my groceries delivered. and I want uh, uh, it was terrible. Um, but you have a budget to work with. And sometimes you, you can't afford the steak and you got to go with the ground beef. And yeah. so you're going down. the list. like you, if you got ground beef, you, you, you can't make the the elite, you know, beef meal. No, but you can
2: make a good spaghetti. Like sometimes you can can make spaghetti.
1: Sometimes you can throw a little spaghetti on the plate and that's okay. You can keep it simple. That's like, and I think that's the thing is they're like, okay, we want to do this. The bones of this says this. Our identity says this. This is the thing we set out. We talked about coming into the season about wanting to do. We can't do the bolognese, but we can do the spaghetti. And I think like that's the way you kind of have to look at this is that Scoot, Shea, DA, like Scoot and Shea specifically, they aren't the advanced levels of what you think or want them to be yet. Right. DA, it's about like finding the best ways to use him. And when he gets back healthy, getting integrated and showing his elite skills and then trying to merge all those things together to make a pretty decent stew. And this is the last thing I'll say about all of this. The thing you have to remember is the roster is so far from done. Everybody's trying to, well, they need to do this. It's like, they're three years from having like the ideal kind of roster. They're short on playmaking. They're short on shooting. They know that, but they're not going to go make wholesale changes because yeah. they
2: want to try stuff. You, you, as much as we want it, you can't finish the rebuild within the one year no. here. Like and that, we always highlighted this. Man was like, "Some of you ain't built for this," and so like the patience thing. It can go very quickly, especially when you win three games in a row randomly. There's like a belief in the city. It's like, hey, maybe it's we real. actually, yeah, yeah. like that's a real thing. I know people in my life that do that, and that's mm-hmm. okay. But I just think it's important to highlight the process of the rebuild and kind of it's, what this takes.
1: It's great that they got some wins because, man, coming up
2: it could be tough. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be brutal, man. <laughs> you're, you're so tomorrow they play at Sacramento. Yeah, you're at the Lakers, who are desperate right now for a win. You're they at probably Utah.
1: won't be favored in a game until they're at home December 21st against the Wizards.
2: That uh yeah, that that actually tracks. I'm looking it up. Yeah, well, yeah, cuz they won't be favored at Indiana. So it's like no. look at it. I mean, you just you could run through the list. We don't need to do it, but Sacramento, LA, Utah, Cleveland, LA again, OKC in town, at Phoenix, Utah, Mil- at Milwaukee, so there's the Dame return, you know, kind of against his former team mm-hmm. thing at Milwaukee. At Indiana, at Cleveland, at Utah, at Clipper. Oh my God. You just rattle it off. And then you get Between to now December and
1: Christmas, 20th. dude, they're gonna win maybe two games. Maybe. It's, like there's a
2: it's so brutal. Like they can maybe beat the Indiana Pacers. I don't know, but like that's kind of the point of all of this. It's it, so.
1: so, so look, and if they win five games in that, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, like for this. Sure. That schedule is not just brutal for this team. That schedule no. is like I bet you that their top four. In strength of schedule from yeah. from now until Christmas, it is it is an absolute dauntlet because not only is there so many good teams, they've got a what a five game road trip, five game road trip, a three game road trip with uh, between the five and the one, it's just a one quick one at home. So it's essentially like a seven game road trip because that one game home, it's just yeah. but but thankfully they do get that is Thanksgiving, so they do get but uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday off before going on the five-game trip. So they did luck out.
2: That is, uh, that's going to do it. I, I would just be better, Blazer fans, please. Can we stop giving the Miami Heat fans what they want, which is they're depressed, their team's not very good, so they just have to reach out and poke in prod. Can we, If we're doing a mailbag, can we just ignore the Miami Heat section no and promises. ask questions? There were some good questions in there, so thanks to the people. Um, that's all I got, man. We're over an hour now, and so – I, I I don't know I I know it's a different method of doing the pod for us. This is a new style, but I, I got to be honest, as your host, I kind of enjoyed this a little more, and I think we helped educate some people on what. Yeah, Shane's no. been-
1: we'll, we'll we'll keep this one going. Uh, if you guys like it, don't like it, let us know on Twitter uh, at Jack Ramsey's at Dan at Brandon Sprague. Uh, you got anything else, brother?
2: No, I think that's right. it. Just uh, stay tuned for the uh, go check out Danny Shaden Patreon. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, once we band. get done
1: here, uh, I will post this show uh, and start that process. And then yep. uh, I'll uh, I'll probably have the Shaden, not probably, I'll have the Shaden uh, Patreon out tonight. So there you go. I got to put some finishing touches on that. Uh, you can find us again on social media at Jack Ramsey's at Danny at Brandon Sprague. Email the show, Jack Ramsey's at gmail.com. Uh, You can find Brandon every morning, 69 with his co-host, Andy Dirt Johnson, uh, who's going to lose this weekend like a complete dirt bag. And I'm going to rub it in his face. (laughs) Um, It would be the funniest thing of all time. Brother, look, I am fully prepared for USC to get absolutely mud stomped. I am going to be at the game. I will be down there. Oh, you're going to the game? Oh yeah. I'm gonna go suffer through it. It's gonna be terrible. I, it. I know it, but it's the last time that you both of these to teams Caleb. I see Caleb. I get to see Caleb live, which I haven't done. Uh, and I also get to see the last two last time these two meet in the Pac twelve. Like that's there's like a literal history. Like, I know they're moving to the Big Ten, but You like, got the Big Ten games coming. So. But like it's a legitimate opportunity to see history. That's it's, it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. and it's gonna be a historic ass kicking. I have a really suspicion I'm not gonna enjoy it, but um that's what the Bulls are for. Don't. Uh, as long as that band's fired up 18 times and drives everybody crazy, it's a win for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me with my co the sideline uh, reporter for the for the Oregon Ducks, Dusty Hera, uh, Noon to 3, also on 1080, The Fan. And again, you can find all of the uh, extra work uh, at patreon.com backslash jackedramseys. Uh, I will keep the... Oh, no, go
2: ahead. Well, I was going to add, um, to thank you to everybody that watches on YouTube, to Jack Ramseys, if you could be very kind I don't know. I'm not saying you got to tune in every day, but if you guys like our radio shows too, cause they're a little different yes. than what we do here. YouTube.com go.
1: backslash 1080 AM. The fan go over there yeah. and follow. We are live. Uh, every show, his show, my show primetime with Isaac and souk Uh, they are all, all, all there. So, uh, go yeah. over there, please like rate review, subscribe over there as well. I think we're just, we, we launched it a week ago and we're just under a, or two weeks ago. We're just under a thousand subs now. So, yeah. Um, Appreciate all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, we will probably do another one. Uh, I th- think. Let look at. Hold on. Let me see the schedule. What's what's uh, Friday? So guy- Pro- Friday or Saturday? Because hey. we because we have uh, game Wednesday, game oh. Sunday, game Tuesday. So we we have th- yeah, th- yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we'll probably look at Friday or Saturday. It usually works best for us. So uh, yep. we'll go in that vein. And then um, other than that, guys, have a wonderful night. Take care. Talk soon. Mm, bye.